Hi, my name is Paul and I'm a member with Restored Church. If you're new, we want to welcome you and thank you for tuning in. We believe that the church is not an event, but a family that you belong to, so we'd love the opportunity to connect with you. If you want to learn more about our church or if we can help you in any way, please visit our website, restoredtemecula.church, and click on Contact. We also have a mobile app with resources, including our Sunday messages, information about upcoming events, and other ways to connect. You can download our app on Apple or Android app stores. With all that said, we hope you enjoy the message. All right. <clears throat> oh yeah, now you guys line up for the coffee. You know what? It's actually one of the things that I absolutely adore about our community is that uh, <laughs> you guys actually like each other. <laughs> now we say it all the time, like I think one of the, one of the tragedies of the Western world is a misunderstanding of what church is. Um, especially for whatever reason in America, is there's been this redefinition that church is something that you attend. It's an event. It's a production. It's a business. It's a nonprofit. Um, <clears throat> and that just isn't what the church is biblically. Biblically, the church is the family of God. It's people. So I don't know. It makes me so happy, and it brings me so much. I don't know joy to belong to a church family as wonderful as you. So this morning, we are going to jump back into our series um, entitled, uh, we're, going through the, we're going through the Gospel of Matthew, and we, we've entitled this series, The King and His Kingdom. And we've been exploring as much as we can about what the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, if you, if you read in the scriptures, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, those, those two phrases are used synonymously. And for whatever reason, we've kind of been conditioned to think that the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, is something that we go to after we die. We think of it as this like far off reality that, you know, when our time is up here, then we'll experience the kingdom of heaven, God's kingdom. But hear me, like, it's so much more than that. It's so much more than that. When we talk about God's kingdom, we talk about his rule, his reign, right? His ways, he's the king. It's his kingdom. So it's his rule, his reign, his ways. There's a, there's a quote by a theologian, D.A. Carson, that I think is so helpful. It's simple, but it's so helpful for us in getting a better understanding of what God's kingdom really is. <clears throat> he says this, quote, God's kingdom is more a reign than a realm, more a power than a place. You've heard me reference that quote many times throughout this series, and I'm going to do it in the intro every single week because I want us to get this understanding that God's kingdom is more than like a far-off realm that we'll go to when we die. It's, it's more than just a place. It really is a reign and a power available to us here and, and, and now. And so, so far in this series, we've been learning how the kingdom of God is not just something that happens after you die. It can actually be a present reality where God rules as king, partly in the present and fully in the future. We live in this tension of the already not yet. So part, partly now here in the present moment, but fully, completely in the future. All right, so this morning we're gonna be in Matthew chapter four. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and grab that now. You can flip over to Matthew chapter four. If you are Bible-less this morning, the team is going to put the words up on the screen for us. I'll be in the CSB, the Christian Standard Bible Translation, if you, want to, if you want to access that. But before I jump into today's passage, I just want us to pray together as we open God's Word, okay? So will you join me in prayer? Uh, Father, thank you so much <clears throat> for your goodness, for your grace on us. Thank you that we get to be together this morning. Thank you for your scriptures. Like, thank you for your word that you would reveal truth to us. Um, thank you that your word is, is it's, it's more than just truth itself. It's like, it's like the basis for truth. It's, it's a transcendent truth. And thank you that you've made, um, you've given us access to discovering who you are, what you've done, what you're like, and what that means for our life. So I pray that this morning as we open the scriptures that you would speak to us, that you would teach us, Holy Spirit, you'd point us to Jesus, you'd, you'd teach us about what your kingdom is like. And I pray that you would um, use me to serve my brothers and sisters in this room. And I, I really want to do nothing but aid in what you want to accomplish. So help me to get out of the way. I love you, Jesus, so much. Be with us. Teach us, Holy Spirit. Amen. 
Okay, so today's passage, we're going to start in verse 12, but I want to kind of bring you up to speed of where we've been the last couple weeks journeying through Matthew's gospel, okay? Uh, A couple weeks ago, Jesus is baptized, right, by John the Baptist in the Jordan River, and it's this epic moment where Jesus, he identifies himself with John the Baptist's uh, message of repent because the kingdom of God is near. So he identifies himself with John the Baptist's message, but he identifies himself as the promised Messiah, the Savior, the Christ, right? And then last week, Herrick talked, he preached on, on Jesus, his 40 days in the wilderness, right, where he's tempted by Satan and he's tested and he passed the test flawlessly for us in our place. And then where we come to today, in verse 12, it's the, like the official beginning of Jesus' ministry. Here we go, all right? Verse 12, let's jump in says this, when he, that he there is Jesus, when he heard that John, John the Baptist, was arrested, had been arrested, he, Jesus, withdrew into Galilee. Really quickly, John the Baptist got arrested. We're going to get into this later on in gospel, or in, in Matthew's gospel about kind of the, the workings here, what's going on with John the Baptist, but he gets arrested and Jesus withdraws to Galilee. Verse 13, Jesus left Nazareth and went to live in Capernaum by the sea in the region of Zebulun and Nephtali. Okay, really quickly. Those two words, Zebulun and Nephtali, what those are is they're essentially like these were tribes. And these tribes, they were allotted specific territories, so specific land that would later become the region of Galilee. So an example would be like the Pechanga Indian tribe right here in Temecula. Right? This is their kind of native land, and eventually it would become Temecula, but it was ultimately the Pechanga Indian tribe was given this territory. Does that make sense? So that's what we're seeing here. What would later become Galilee, these two tribes, that's their land, that's their territory. Okay? Keep going. Verse um, 14, right? So verse 13, Jesus leaves Nazareth, goes to Capernaum by the sea in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. Verse 14, this was to fulfill, underline that word, fulfill, what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. And then we're going to get a quote here. And this is out of Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. All right, this is, a, this is a, a prophecy that God makes through the prophet Isaiah. He says this, land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, along the road by the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who live in darkness have seen a great light. And for those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. So the prophet is is referencing that land, that, that area. Verse 17, that region. Verse 17, from then on, Jesus began to preach. And what did he begin to preach? This, repent because the kingdom of heaven has come near. Okay, so that's our passage. I want to do basically two things this morning. I want to give you, I want to spend like, I don't know, two, three minutes giving you a little bit of background. And then I want to spend the rest of the time just going through what this this passage teaches us about the kingdom of God. All right, so some background for you. Uh, In January of 2019, my wife Ebony and I, we had the privilege of going on a trip about 10 days or so to Israel, to that, that whole region where all this stuff took place. It was, it was actually a pretty cool opportunity. There was this tour company that was giving um, uh, pastors uh, a radical discount. It was like 70% off or something. And I was like, we've got to try to make this happen. Thankfully, we were able to do it. So we go and we go on this trip. I want to show you some photos from that trip. Will you throw up the first one for, for me, Jay? This, work, this first one. Okay, so can you guys see it? It's basically, it says, it's a gate. And it says, Capernaum the town of Jesus. So this is a real place, okay? We read about this stuff, youth. This is primarily for you. I want you guys to understand something. All these stories that we read about in the, in the scriptures, like these are real places. These are real people. These are real things that happened, okay? So this is literally the gate. As you walk through, if you can imagine, you walk past this building on the right, you walk through the gate, and then it opens up into like ancient ruins, essentially, Okay? Now, really quickly, if you know kind of Bible history, Jesus, he grew up in Nazareth. Okay? And in this passage, it says that he, he makes his way from Nazareth to Capernaum. Right? This was, Capernaum was like his home base 
where he lived, his home base, while he was, while he was carrying out his ministry for three years before he gave up his life. Okay, you can go to the next one. Okay, can you see that goofy-looking dude right there in the center of the picture? Guess who that is? No, I'm kidding. Yeah, it's me. It's me. <clears throat> um, okay, so what this is, is this is the synagogue in the city of Capernaum. And guys, you have to understand something. Jesus would have preached, certainly preached here. Like, <clears throat> you can see the pillars and stuff. That's kind of uh, a later synagogue that was built on top of the synagogue that Jesus was. But that foundation is the same foundation. So Jesus stood there. Jesus preached there. And I'm like standing there. It was this really surreal experience. This was, this was one of the highlights of the entire trip for me as I was like, oh my gosh, like this is the place I've read about in Matthew chapter four. This is the place where like Jesus would have preached the gospel in this synagogue standing on this ground. Real, crazy, right? You can go to the next one. Uh, this is just one of those kind of plaques outside that shows you kind of what the synagogue would have looked like. Um, and I don't have pictures for you because they didn't come out great. Uh, it wouldn't have translated great, but there's all these ruins and kind of over towards the middle of the ruins is this like what was once a, a home. And there's, a, there's a, a Catholic church that if you can imagine it, is built hovering on top of the specific house with like a glass floor. And what it is, is it's, it's, it's Peter, the apostle Peter, it's his house, it's his home. It's where he lived in Capernaum. And so the, the Catholic church, the Catholics, they built a physical church building hovering on top of it. It's, it's wild. Okay, but this is where it would have been. This is the, the layout of that area. You can go to the next one. Okay, this is a photo I took while we're on the Sea of Galilee. So when we talk about the region of Galilee, it's, it's literally the region surrounding this, they call it a sea. It's more like a lake. It's a it's not, a, it's not a huge thing. Think, think um, like Lake Elsinore, but a little bit bigger. That's about the size of the Sea of Galilee. This is, I took this while we're on a boat in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. Pretty cool. Um, you guys can go to the next one. Okay, you can't really see it, but this is facing directly north, what, like on the Sea of Galilee. So if I'm standing right now, if this is like the Sea of Galilee, it's, it's, it's facing directly north. So off to kind of the, the, the left-hand side north, that's where Capernaum was. On the kind of the northern western part of the Sea of Galilee. That's what we're talking about here. Real place. Real place. <clears throat> Thanks, guys. Okay, so really quickly, a couple of facts about Galilee, because I want you guys to understand this is a real place. This is what's going on. Okay, Galilee, fairly small region. All right, it would have been about 50 miles north to south, about 25 miles east to west. So even though it was a pretty small region, it was very densely populated for the time. All right, uh, most scholars believe there was at least 204 villages, kind of all scattered throughout, and none of them was less than 15,000 people. Which, again, this is 2,000 years ago. That's, that's quite, a, quite a, a large number of people. So plenty of people, plenty of opportunity for ministry. For God the Father sending God the Son to a specific place with specific people. Plenty of opportunities for ministry. Okay, so here's the question. Why does Jesus go there? Why does Jesus go to Capernaum? Two reasons, okay? The first reason was that if he stayed put, like Jesus staying put, it was a threat to him fulfilling God's call on his life. Remember, John the Baptist, he identified with John the Baptist's message, repent because the kingdom of heaven is coming. It's near, right? They arrest John the Baptist. So Jesus staying put, it would have been a threat for him fulfilling God's call on his life. And guys, here's the thing. Jesus still, this is the beginning of his ministry. He has so much yet to accomplish. For some of you in the room, you have so much yet to accomplish in your life. Jesus' ministry is just beginning here. He hasn't even trained his disciples yet. He hasn't even called them yet. We're going to get to that next week, actually. That's the first thing. It was, it was a threat for him fulfilling his call. The second reason why Jesus goes there is it fulfilled Isaiah's prophecy about the Messiah, right? That the Messiah would be a light to the region of Galilee. And guys, keep something in mind. 
Isaiah's prophecy happened hundreds of years before this. Uh, You guys know Babe Ruth, arguably the most famous baseball player ever, right? There is this awesome kind of story. I don't know if it's real. Most people think it is. Herrick would probably know. He's way more intelligent when it comes to baseball stuff. But there's this epic story of Babe Ruth coming up to bat. And he's in the middle of his at bat. And he just points. He points to the outfield. And he's basically going like, I'm going to hit it way out there. So he's up, you know, he's doing his thing. Pitch comes. And he just cracks it. And it goes exactly where he points it. And it was this like transcendent story of him calling his shot. And it's lasted for a hundred years, this story going around. This prophecy, God's prophecy through Isaiah, it's God calling his shot. You get, you get this? <clears throat> it's transcendent. He's like, I'm sending the Messiah, everybody. I'm sending the Messiah. And he's going to be a light to the region of Galilee. Now, next, what I want to spend the rest of it, that's your background. That's what I want you to see kind of what's happening here, this region, what's going on here. Next, there's two things that I want to focus on for the rest of my time about what this passage teaches us and shows us about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Okay, and the first one is this. You can participate in God's kingdom or you can pass. You can participate in God's kingdom or you can pass. I don't know if you noticed it, but in in verse 13 and 14... It says, Jesus left Nazareth and went to live in Capernaum. And the purpose was to fulfill what God prophesied through Isaiah. When I was in eighth grade, uh, kind of all growing up, basketball was my life. I, I loved it. It was my passion. I enjoyed it. I pursued it. It was like every day, all I wanted to do was play And um, when I was in eighth grade, I don't know if you remember this, my dad coached me for one summer league uh, team. Do you remember this? He coached me uh, for one summer league team. So summer league was kind of like in between seasons and you're just trying to cultivate your game and stuff. Really competitive, really fun. And I remember one specific game uh, we were playing. We a crazy fact. We practiced, the team practiced at Margarita Middle School where we used to gather as a church. It's wild. But either way, so there's, I remember one game, and it was a tight game. It was like, it was one of those kind of back and forth games. And there's like 10 seconds left in the game. My team has the ball. We call timeout. We're down by one. And so Coach Dad draws up the play. And it's basically an ISO play, which isolation. It's basically like, I'm going to get the ball, and then everyone's going to clear out, and I'm going to try to win the game. That's basically the play. Okay, And so I'm fired up. I'm like, I'm going to win this game. Let's do this. But dad's play was cool, but it wasn't, it wasn't quite right. So I decide, you know what? Instead of me just kind of popping out from the top of the key to get the ball and everyone clearing out, you know what? I don't fully trust my teammates. And I don't fully trust coach dad. So what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to take the ball out. I'm going to pass the ball in. You know, I'm, going to, I'm going to have the ball out of balance, pass it to the first teammate they can get open, run to them, get the ball from them, and then everyone can clear out. Okay? So that's, my, that's what I'm going to do. I mean, we, we call timeout, or we call, you know, we, team on three, you know, we do the whole thing, we go out to do the play, and everyone's watching me, and I'm going to take the ball out, and everyone's kind of confused. And I'm like, I got this. So I pass the ball into my, my teammate, and sure enough, play falls apart. We lose the game. And I remember being like, that didn't really work out. You see, I didn't choose to participate in the play that was called by my father. I chose to pass in favor of my own play. Friends, God the Father He called a play for God the Son to leave Nazareth and go to Capernaum. And Jesus didn't choose to pass. He chose to participate. I don't know if you know this, but God's called a play for each and every one of your lives. Youth, hear me. He's called a play for your life. And it's better than you think. 
But here's the thing. In order for any of us to fulfill God's purpose for our life, it requires that we choose to participate in it. And hear me, Nazareth wasn't a bad place. People make fun of it in the scriptures. There's those, the, the, the couple guys that are like, what good can come from Nazareth? But it wasn't a bad place. Jesus spent the first 30 years of his life there. It wasn't a bad place. But hear me, Nazareth was familiar, but ultimately it wasn't fulfilling. And when I say fulfilling, I'm not talking about like a self-centered desire being realized. Like you hear people talk about, I'm just not fulfilled in my marriage. Because it's not, it's, not, it's not meeting my needs. I'm not fulfilled by my career because it's not me. That's not what I'm talking about. When I say fulfilled, I'm talking about like obedience to God. I'm talking about God running God's play. Remember, when we read the passage, it says, when Jesus went from Nazareth to Capernaum, he did it because it, it fulfilled Isaiah's prophecy. So when I use the word fulfill, when I say Nazareth was familiar, but it wasn't fulfilling, I'm talking about this idea of running God's play with God's purposes, his way, the kingdom, right? I was praying this morning and I just felt this sense, not everybody in the room, but some of us, some of you haven't left Nazareth. Like you're choosing what's familiar instead of fulfilling your purpose. You're like me in eighth grade, eighth grade basketball know-it-all, Tom think your play is better. So you do your own thing. But here's the thing about when you run your own plays. Over time, something starts to happen. Over time, you start to like develop these unhealthy habits and those habits start to become familiar. Um, recently, I was talking with a, a friend of mine, not part of our church, and he was, he was talking to me about, uh, <clears throat> he's kind of around my age, and he, he's really starting to come to grips with some of his emotional and kind of psychological pain, if you will, with um, how he was raised. And he's specifically that like his dad, not like a bad guy, not like mean, but just like prioritized his job like over anything else. So he wasn't really there for big moments because his career, he needed to provide money and he needed to, there was like this, I don't know, this weight on dads, I feel like in previous generations that's carried over of like, I just need to provide the money and that's all I got to do, you know? And obviously we know that's not like the way of Jesus, but it's a very, it's a very um, difficult thing, I think, for men to slip into because they feel a certain amount of weight. But either way, um, he was describing this. He was describing kind of like, now, later on in his life, he's, he's starting to see the, 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 the kind of turmoil and the PTSD and the, like, the longings and the, the brokenness starting to surface in his life. And it's like he's broken about it. And he's seeing the effect that that had, has had on him, and it's starting to kind of come to the surface. And as broken and, and as, as kind of like affected as he was by it, he was really broken by something even more. And it was the reality that he was doing the same thing to his kids. He's like, my kids are older now. And like, I did the exact same thing to them. You know, like it, he's, he, it's, it's, he's coming to grips with it. Like, here's my point. He, he never left Nazareth. He, he chose what was familiar to him. Instead of fulfilling God's call in his life to father his kids the way that God fathers him, he started to repeat the familiar, unhealthy patterns. Are you with me? Sometimes we choose the familiar no matter how unhealthy it is. We choose what's familiar. And here's the thing. When we do that, it keeps us from fulfilling. There's that word again. It keeps us from fulfilling God's purpose for our life. The reason we were created, the reason we're alive. It keeps us from participating in God's kingdom. Are you tracking with me? I bet statistically my friend's story resonates with some of you in the room. Like, you're starting to see like, oh man, I'm starting to repeat some of the uh, generational sins in my family. 
Others of you have been on the receiving end of it. Right? Unhealthy generational cycles becoming familiar. Not just like for a week or a month or a year or a decade, but for generations. Guys, there's no perfect parents. I am one and I realize how difficult and challenging it is every single day and how I fall short. I I like let my girls down as their daddy every day. There's no such thing as perfect parents. And that's why God invites us. That's why he calls us into something different. What is that? His kingdom. His ways. He invites us to live life that way. Running his play. Not ours. You with me? So, pastorally, just for a moment, I want to put this before you because I don't want us to miss out on how God might be leading each of us as individuals and us as a community. Are there any bad habits in your life? You're starting to recognize any bad habits in your life that are starting to become familiar. You know, it's super easy to do. It's super easy to use these screens that we have in our pockets and around our house to escape and it just kind of numb ourselves from the darkness and the brokenness around us. Maybe the unhealthy pattern is, you know, three or four hours of Netflix a day. It's robbing you from actually the life that you were created to live. Maybe you're not using a screen. Maybe you're using something else to escape. I don't know what it is for you. But is there any unhealthy, bad habits that are starting to become familiar in your life? Because hear me, friends, if you stay there, in the familiar, if you, if you stay in Nazareth, if you stay in the familiar, unhealthy patterns, you will miss out on fulfilling God's purpose for your life. And he created you with one. You'll miss out on God's kingdom. God's call in your life is to participate in his kingdom, right? Partly in the present, fully in the future. Every single moment of your life, every, right now, and then right now, and then right now, every single moment of your life, you and I, we get to choose, participate or pass. That's the first thing. The second thing that we learned about God's kingdom here is that participation in God's kingdom requires partnership with God's spirit. If you're taking notes, write that one down too. Participation in God's kingdom requires partnership with God's spirit. A lot of alliteration this morning, guys. You're welcome. A lot, of, a lot of peas, and I'm not talking about the vegetable. <clears throat> All right, um, participation in God's kingdom requires partnership with God's spirit. So uh, my daughter, Vivian, she is, this weekend, she's in uh, the city of Temecula's putting on this wonderful and really well done uh, rendition of Beauty and the Beast by like the youth theater. Um, <clears throat> it's really, really cool. Like I'm shocked at how good of a job they're doing. It's, it's pretty, pretty remarkable. But uh, we, we went to opening night on, was it Friday night? It was the first showing. They've had four, they'll have four showing the, showings this, uh, this weekend. And I didn't fully know what to expect. She's been rehearsing and doing all these things. But there's probably like, I don't know, Britt, how many? There's a ton of kids, right? There's like at least 50, right? There's a, yeah, there's a ton of kids um, that are in the cast, that make up the cast, right? And so we go to the opening night, 7 p.m., Friday night, in the, the theater in Old Town. Has anybody been to the theater in Old Town? It's actually really nice. I was shocked. I'm like, this is a great theater. And so we go to this show. The kids are doing, and, and Vivian's like, she has two roles. She's a, like a person in town, like just an extra in town, and she's an enchanted napkin. Okay. So she's not like a main character or anything, but she's like, she's having fun and she's, you know, doing her thing and it's super cute. It's adorable. And they actually do a really good job. There's like choreography and they sing and the whole thing. And so I'm watching this guys and I found myself watching her and I had like a, like a realization of what I was actually doing while I was watching her. And I have this like beaming smile and I'm mouthing the words and I'm like, what's happening to me right now? This is really bizarre. Like, I'm not like a theater guy. I'm just like watching my kid do their thing. And it was just this, I don't know, it was cool. But they do a really good job. This production of Beauty and the Beast. And I want you to think about a play, like the theater like that. A play, what it is, is it's basically a partnership. 
It's a partnership, and every single partnership has a purpose. In the case of the partnership here, you have the cast, right? All the child actors and the extras, like my Vivian. You have the cast, and the, the cast that partners with the crew, right? The crew is the people that do the lights and the sounds and the, and the props and all those things. So you have the cast partners with the crew. Why? For a purpose. What's that purpose? The purpose is to execute the desires of the director. So the director is giving cue. Okay, here's what I want you to do. When you, when you sing that song, I want you to raise your hands like this. There's a choreography. There's all these types of things, right? So you have the cast partnering with the crew to execute the desires of the director. Are you with me? So here's the thing. Participating in the cast requires partnership with the crew. And the purpose of that partnership is to execute the vision and the desires of the director. Director, it works the same way with the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is all about partnering with God's spirit to say yes to God's desires. Think about it. Beauty and the Beast. It falls apart without the crew operating behind the scenes, without that partnership. Imagine going to, imagine going to the theater, imagine watching a play and there's no lights there's no microphone, there's no sound. The curtain never opens and closes. The props never come out. It would be a mess, right? For the production to happen, the cast needs the crew. For, for, for the director's desires to actually come to fruition, the cast must partner with the crew. Hear me. For the kingdom of God, to come to fruition right now, you and I must partner with God's spirit. We cannot do it without him. The kingdom is all about partnering with God's spirit to say yes to God's desires. Here's what it's been looking like for me lately. Throughout the day, I've just been, I've been like with Jesus going, Jesus, what do you desire? You're good. Hey, no, what that shows is it shows you're taking notes. Well done, girly. No apology necessary. <clears throat> Here's what I've been asking myself every day. Jesus, what do you desire? Each moment. Because you can, you can choose to participate in the kingdom of God or you can choose to pass. I don't know about you. I want it all. I want all of his kingdom. And it's, I want it. I want, I, I want it so bad. God, what do you desire? In every single situation. And here's the thing. When you do that, right? John 15, abide in me, Jesus says, stay with me, remain in me. It's this idea of friendship, ongoing relationship, engaging with God at all times, every moment of your life. Lord, what do you desire? Right now, I'm preaching. I'm making eye contact with Liam and Dorian. God, what do you desire right now? Like every moment. When you, when you do that, he will speak to you. He loves you. He created you. He'll speak to you. So the other day, I'm meeting with a, a, a future church planter who's uh, planning a church here in town. Great guy. And we're, we're meeting at this restaurant. And the waitress comes up, takes our, our order, the whole thing. And like I make, I make kind of a sarcastic comment. And she walks off. And again, Lord, what do you, what's your desire, Jesus? And he goes, apologize to her. So she comes back. I'm like, hey, I forget her name. I think it was like Haley. Like, hey, Haley. Um, I just, like two minutes ago, I just made this like kind of sarcastic comment. And I just want to tell you, like, I'm so sorry. Uh, that, that was like inconsiderate of what your, your day's like and what, what you go through. And I just want to like, thank you for taking care of us. And I just want to ask, like, I'm sorry for doing that. Will, will you forgive me? And she, her jaw was like, oh my gosh, like, Clearly, it had been a really long time since someone had apologized to her and asked for her forgiveness. She was very gracious with me. Lord, what do you desire? How can I partner with your spirit to participate in your kingdom? Um, about a week ago, I'm having dinner with some friends. And uh, <clears throat> uh, the lady, um, she, she's, she's pregnant. 
And she's like, man, I've been feeling a lot of nausea. And it's been like super uncomfortable. And literally in that moment, God, Lord, what do you desire? (laughs) This is crazy. Spirit, just clear as day. Tell the nausea to go away. So not weird, just kind of like natural. We're in conversation and she's telling us, I'm like, nausea, go away in the name of Jesus. Like, go away and don't come back in the name of Jesus. Not weird, not like, be gone. Like a sorcerer. Like I wasn't trying to be a sorcerer. It was just in conversation. And I just, Lord, what do you desire? And I say it. A couple hours go by. She's like, dude, I haven't had nausea for hours. This is great. Lord, what do you desire? I desire you to close your laptop and play with your girls. Lord, what do you desire? I desire you to serve your wife. The kingdom's all about partnering with God's spirit to say yes to God's desires, friends. Listen to me. Some of you haven't left Nazareth because you've, you haven't sought out God's desires for your life. Why? Because so often we get so busy pursuing our own desires for our life. But listen, guess who teaches you about God's desires? God's spirit. And guess who empowers you to execute God's desires, even when it seems kind of uncomfortable and weird? God's spirit. God's kingdom requires that we participate with God's spirit to say yes to God's desires. Are you with me? And guys, here's the thing. Like, I've spent way too many years of my life totally unaware and totally uninterested in God's desires for my life. Like, I'll be honest with you. I'm not the guy who is like, I'm going to be a pastor. I'm going to pursue this. And like, this is something I really like desire to do and be. And like, that's not my story. There are plenty of gifted men and women who's pursuing that. And they're like, they're they're called to ministry in that way. And they pursue it. And it's great. It's wonderful. That's just not my story. (laughs) I'm thankful. I'm grateful. But I never in a million years thought I'd be a pastor. I never in a million years thought I'd be a church planter. Multiple times. Like it was never my desire. I wanted to make a name for myself. I wanted to be a big deal. I wanted to be impressive to other people. I wanted to be a rock star. When I was in junior high and high school, I wanted to be an athlete. I wanted to be all these things that culture says are valuable. That's where my heart was. I didn't want to do this. I wanted to serve my own agenda. I wanted to fulfill my own desires. I wanted to run my own play for my life. And guys, God in his kindness, he rescued me from that. He began to teach me about his gracious love for me. He began to, like, the spirit began to enlighten my heart to the reality of the gospel of Jesus. That he lived perfectly in my place. That every time I was selfish, he was selfless as my substitute. that he literally absorbed the punishment that I deserve for the ways that I resist God's kingdom, reject God's kingdom, and pursue my own. For the ways that I sin against people he loves. He said, yeah, you're totally guilty, but I'll take your punishment instead. He began to show me about his love and his grace and his mercy and his kindness for me, that he was faithful for me and towards me every single time that I've been unfaithful to him. It totally changed me. It transformed me. And in the process, Jesus became more beautiful than like anything else in the world. I'm like, dude, this has got nothing on Jesus. Jesus is better. He's more glorious. He's more beautiful. And began to show me his desires for my life. And his desires started to become my desires. And now I'm in a spot where like, I'm so glad that my desires did not come true. Why? Because I would have missed out on God's kingdom. Friends, that's my heart for us this morning. I don't want any of us, hear me. I don't want any of us to miss out on what God desires for you. Because here's the thing, you're not the only one who misses out. The people around you miss out too. I don't know if you noticed, but we humans, whether we want to admit it or not, we're interdependent. 
That means we literally depend on each other. If you don't believe me, look at all the supply chain issues that our country's having right now. Not a political statement, just the reality that we depend on each other. (laughs) Amen. When you choose not to participate in God's kingdom, not only do you miss out, but so do the people around you. Friends, the kingdom of God is all about partnering with God's kingdom to say yes to God's desires. I don't know if you know this. Every single thing that Jesus did, every single thing that Jesus did was in partnership with God's spirit. Every single thing. Like the big things, all the miracles, right? Like the healings and the raising people from the dead and walking on water and turning water into wine. Jesus did that by the power of the spirit. He's fully God, but fully man. He had every single human limitation that you and I have, yet empowered by the spirit, depending on the spirit partnering with the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit. All the things that he did, the big things like that, in partnership with God's Spirit, the small things. You ever think about this? Jesus never sinned when he was tired. You know how often I sin when I'm tired? Or when when he was hungry? He didn't lash out on people. He never got hangry. That's remarkable. Maybe I put that in the big things category. That's not a small thing. He never sinned when he was tired. He never sinned when he was hungry. The small things, like leaving the familiar in Nazareth to say yes to the Father's desires in Capernaum. Hear me. This isn't about like leaving town. This isn't about moving. It's about you and I partnering with God's spirit to say yes to God's desires just like Jesus showed us how. For some of you, that might be something like, I don't know, sharing your faith with your friends and neighbors. And not in a weird way, like in a normal way. Like, I actually am friends with Jesus and he's teaching me stuff about myself and showing me things. Not arguing, not like apologetically convincing someone that their worldview is wrong or that their beliefs are wrong or that their behavior is wrong. No, like, I know Jesus. He's a part of my life. You're a part of my life. There's gonna be some crossover there. Maybe it's just being uh, more intentional with somebody close to you. Like, I don't know, child, spouse, family member, friend. Maybe it's implementing God into your daily rhythms. Like actually continuing to grow a friendship with him. Maybe it's something as simple as inviting a friend to church or inviting the church to a friend. Here's my question. What might your life look like if every day you partner with God's spirit to say yes to God's desires? What would happen? All right, I'll call the band up. I'll close with this. That final verse, verse 17. I'm gonna read it to you one more time. It says this. From then on, Jesus began to preach. Here's his message. Repent, turn around, turn away from sin, come back to me. Repent, because the kingdom of heaven has come near. So, at this point, Jesus begins preaching, right? His preaching ministry gets off the ground in the region of Galilee. And he has a specific message. Repent, because the kingdom of heaven has come near. What Jesus is doing here is he's inviting people who have resisted God's kingdom to repent. In other words, to participate instead of to pass. Um, earlier this week, I, uh, I spent a couple days out of town this week and I was flying home. And I'm flying home and I'm, I, I get... Typically, I'm flying Southwest, and if you guys ever fly Southwest, you know that their boarding system, you have to check into your flight. And if you don't check in, like, right when, you can check in 24 hours early. If you don't check in right then at that mark, you get all the way to the back of the line to board the plane, and you don't get to sit, you know, over at bin storage, it's a nightmare. I had a brain fart. I didn't check in until, like, three hours before my flight. So I'm the last person on this flight, like, to board this flight, And I'm just like, dang it, rookie move. Like, I totally screwed up. 
So I get in, there's one seat left on the plane. I am in the middle seat, of course. And um, I get seated uh, next to two very different people. One was a young lady. She's got the, she got the aisle, or sorry, she got the window seat. She's got her headphones on immediately. She's playing her little uh, candy crush game on her phone. She's like shutting it down. Like she's like, I don't approach me. And I'm not the type of person to talk to a young lady on the flight anyway. I feel like I don't want to make them feel uncomfortable. And I don't really like to talk to people on, on planes. I like to try to get work done. And so I'm sitting next to her. Then I'm also sitting next to Jackie. Jackie is a 78-year young woman. And across, she's on the aisle. Across from the aisle is her 86-year-old husband, Tom, ironically enough. And so I have my iPad out. It's about a three-and-a-half-hour flight. And I'm, I'm literally writing this sermon. And I can tell she's doing this move like, and I caught her a couple times and she's, you know, looks away, but she's clearly eavesdropping on my iPad. And then I get the question that every pastor gets. So what do you do? I'm like, oh, I'm a pastor. She's like, I thought so. <laughs> Super adorable woman, guys. Like picture like the most adorable, almost 80 year old woman you've ever, like that's the stereotype, just sweet and kind and lovely and all the things. And she starts talking to me about her life. So much life that she's lived. Her and her husband, um, Tom, they've been married for, I think it was 12 years. And you're like, you're doing the math and you're like, Jackie and Tom both, um, they had about 40-year marriages before they lost their spouse. Wonderful marriages. She's like, yeah, like any marriage you have up and downs, but it was a privilege. And both, she said, both of us had really healthy marriages. Um, and she talked to me about how she'd been walking with Jesus since she was nine. And she's like, yeah, I was kind of brought up and stuff, but, but she's like, then that kind of light bulb went off of like, God really loves me and forgives me. And she's like, and she's like, she just starts talking to me about her life. Like all of these beautiful elements, all of these things. And here's the thing. Like, this is not a woman who had like just a wonderfully comfortable life. Like her and her husband both have experienced like intense suffering, profound pain. And yet her takeaway was God's kindness in his presence, in his love. Several decades of walking with Jesus. And I remember, I remember feeling like so inspired. I'm like, I'm half your age. And I'm just so in awe of ordinary woman, ordinary man. She pulls out her phone and she starts, she opens up her photo, her photo you know, app, and she just starts showing me all these photos. And it wasn't photos of like, here's our house. Here's where we live. Here's what I do for a living. Here's my career. You know what it was photos of? I bet you could guess. Yeah. Her many children. Her even more grandchildren. Her great-grandchildren. And she's just beaming and she goes, Jesus has been so, so kind. It hasn't been without dark moments, but he's been so with me. And I'm looking at all these photos and it's not like she's got like four grandkids. <laughs> like, like a lot. And in my mind, I'm going, dude, what a legacy. And she knows, she's like, yeah, you know, we probably don't have much time left. So we're flying to go see grandkids and spend time with them. What a legacy. A lifetime of participating in God's kingdom. His ways. Not absent of suffering, not absent of pain, but a remarkable, a remarkable experience of him and his ways. 
Friend, you were created for God's kingdom and nothing less. But you have a choice. Every moment of every day, you can participate or you can pass. And listen to me. There's nothing like God's kingdom. God's kingdom is amazing. It's, it's literally light in the darkness. It's a glimmer here and now of the way things are supposed to be. Partly in the present, fully in the future, right? But hear me. As amazing as God's kingdom is, we don't worship the kingdom, friends. We worship the king. We worship the king. The king who graciously invites us to repent, to participate instead of pass. No matter how many times we pass in our history, a continual invitation, come participate. But we have a choice. We don't worship the kingdom. We worship the king, the one who makes it all possible by laying down his life for us. And the king who offers us his spirit to show us the way, to show us how. There's nothing like God's kingdom because in God's kingdom, he's the king and there's nobody like him and you were created for it. Don't you want it? Don't you need your heart ache for it? Spend two minutes reading the news and you know this is not the way it's supposed to be. It's because a lot, it's because the whole world's running their own play, including me. And Jesus shows us a different way and he empowers us by his spirit to participate instead of pass. Will you stand with me? I want to pray for us. Let the band minister to us. Heavenly Father, we look to you as the gracious, loving, kind, and faithful Father that you are. And forgive us for running our own plays, for choosing to pass instead of choosing to participate in your kingdom. for partnering with other things instead of your spirit, for rejecting partnership with your spirit in favor of my own way. God, would you change us? Would you show us the beauty and the glory and the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus? Him in our place. It enables us to participate in your kingdom. Minister to us. We look to you now in awe of your mercy and awe of your grace and awe of your invitation to participate in your kingdom actually fulfill our purpose. Show us the way. We love you, Jesus. Amen. All right, friends, for the next, I don't know, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, um, I want to call the prayer team to make yourself available in the back. If you would, you can receive prayer. There's trusted men and women who are available to pray over you. Maybe God's stirring something in your heart. Um, I, I feel like even kind of crazy. I feel like this might be the spirit, so pray through it. I feel like um, for some of you, this idea of like saying yes to God's desires, participating with God's spirit, say yes to God's desires. I feel like God might be putting it on some of your hearts to start a business and you're afraid. And I feel like there might be some of that. If that's you, will you go receive prayer? Um, for the rest of us, open your heart. Open your heart. Let the spirit highlight things that he wants to lead you into so that you can experience more and more of his rule and reign and ways in your life. Band's gonna lead us. Prayer team um, is available. We're gonna praise Jesus. Let's enjoy him for the next little while, okay? And then Herrick will be up to pastor us and close us. Love you guys very much. Uh, Jesus, we thank you. Father, we thank you for sending your son, the perfect, righteous one, the faithful one, the one who always said yes to your desires the one who went before us to do what we couldn't and who now serves as our, he's the one who empowers us by his spirit and he's our example. And we thank you for that, Father. We thank you for your son. And thank you that we get to be shaped into his image as your children, become like him. And that's the greatest privilege that we could ever have. So much dignity to that. We love you and we thank you. Should we pray? Amen. You guys can grab a seat.
prayer ministry is going to continue out in the back. You guys keep doing your thing. Uh, I'm going to uh, try to close this out succinctly. And there's just a lot of things that are stirring up in my mind as, we're, as we kind of worship and praise. Uh, but primarily, I was thinking about what are the obstacles that can kind of get in the way of us actually saying yes to God's desires and living a life that asks, what do you desire, God? And I thought of a couple things, and then I have a couple more things. I'll try to go through these briefly. But the first one was fear. I think there is a reality that fear can get in the way of us living that kind of life that asks God, what do you desire? Uh, Tom used the example of like sharing your faith, maybe with like a neighbor or a coworker. And I don't know about you, but that's one that I'm like, if anything, nothing quite um, evokes fear like evangelism, like actually sharing the, uh, the good news about Jesus, not because it's not good, just because it's real awkward sometimes. You don't know how people are going to react, you know what they're going to say. There's fear is a reality that, that that is an obstacle that we face as we desire to live this life. Um, another one would be formation, a lack of it, actually. We talked about formation last week. Uh, there's a reality that this kind of life requires discipline, it requires changes, it requires making adjustments, it requires a whole new way of living life, a formation. And then there's a couple other things that can get in the way as well. There's discontentment. You can feel frustrated about life. Or this, sometimes you just feel like ordinary people. Like, what's, what's special about me? So here's what I want to leave, leave you with. Um, this morning, I was uh, hanging out with one of my kids, and they were watching uh, the Disney Channel. <laughs> they were watching uh, some, sh- like, short Minnie Mouse show. And anyway, as tends to happen, um, it's like everything's going great, and then they drop something in that I wasn't ready to unpack with my kids. So they dropped in, like, it was like a Halloween episode, and they just dropped in, like, all this fear of, like, there's things moving around without, you know, a chair just moved. (laughs) Or, like, something just lifted up and, like, went flying off of a shelf. I'm like, I gotta get out of here. Like, I can't be explaining, like, supernatural... (laughs) And so I was kind of hoping that it would be like a Snoopy-Doo, or not Snoopy, Snoop, wow. Scooby-Doo, thank you. I'm out of the game. Where it's like, they pull the curtain back, and it's like, oh, it's just, it's Aunt Sally, and, you know, she's, um, whatever. <laughs> she's the one causing all this, like, weird stuff to happen. But it wasn't that. It was a ghost. So I was like, great. Now i got to explain to my kid, like, what ghosts are and what they aren't and all that. Anyway, that's a long backstory. My goodness. My, my son, I just gave away who it was. It was Josh. He, it got in his head. He got in his head so much that at one point, he hears a, and he was like, what was that? And I was like, it was mom yawning. And he was terrified. He was like completely freaked out by his mom's yawn. What's my point in saying this? I think fear can make us back down and become controlled by things that really aren't all that bad. The possibility of getting rejected, for example, when you share the gospel. It's actually not as bad as you think. I want to be careful because I know that there are people who have experienced significant oppression and opposition when they go out and share the gospel. Most of the time, that's not here. It's in other places, usually. Most of us as American disciples, we're not going to deal with somebody's going to kill you if you share the gospel. It's just not going to happen. So fear can actually become a huge obstacle. Because if, I, if I'm afraid of, like, Failure. If I'm afraid of punishment, I'm afraid of something going terribly wrong, why would I ask God, what do you want? Because I know what I want is to be safe. I want to be comfortable. So that's an obstacle, a real fear that can get in the way. And if that's you, I want you to go, I want to encourage you to go get prayer. We've got prayer ministers in the back. Second one, formation. Um, It was so interesting that Tom talked about Babe Ruth. We were talking about Babe Ruth last night on the drive home from North County. And uh, you guys probably don't know this, but Babe, well, you you might know this. Um, Babe Ruth was like a, uh, he hit as many home runs as anybody had ever hit up to that point. I mean, he did incredible things. Do you guys know how he trained? No? Okay, I'll tell you. He ate um, hot dogs. He would have half a dozen hot dogs as a snack. Uh, when, he got, when, he, when he had the munchies, he, he would down um, hot dogs. And then he would wake up in the morning and he would eat an 18-egg omelet. And usually, you know, he would drink his dinner, <laughs> the kind of thing. Um, so he was a beer guzzling, hot dog inhaling, 
omelet devouring <laughs> unicorn. He was a unicorn. For most of us, we are not, we're not gonna, we can't do what Babe Ruth did. <laughs> we just can't. And actually, athletes do not train like that anymore. <laughs> Little known fact. They actually take really good care of themselves and things have really changed. What's my point in saying this? Like, we're gonna have to have discipline if we wanna live this kind of life. We can't expect to, to live lives of extraordinary faith if we're not being continuously formed and disciplined and developed as his disciples. It could be discipline of the word that, that we need to grow in. We're literally like, we need to like get the word in us so that the word will work through us. That may be a part of our formation. It may be with respect to our finances. It may be with respect to our marriage. It may be with respect to um, our parenting or how we relate to our parents or whatever. Formation, a lack thereof, will get in the way of this kind of life. Then there's two more. Can I have Lisa come up real quick? Lisa was, was kind of praying, and she had something that she felt like might be for someone um, who's here. So if this obstacle that Lisa shares really resonates with you, I'm going to encourage you to go get prayer from Lisa. Hi. Um, I was just sensing as we were uh, worshiping that there's somebody who is deeply discouraged. Um, yeah. Um, the Father loves you very much, and he sees you in your discouragement. Um, and I'd love to pray for you. Um, I have a sense it could be about um, just like a long-term struggle that you keep going back to and feeling like helpless um, and the Spirit wanting to tell you Thanks, Lisa. So if that resonates with you, discouragement, um, maybe even discontentment, go find Lisa. She'll be in the back. And then last but not least, Dre, if you want to come up real quick. So fear is an obstacle. Formation, a lack thereof, is an obstacle. Discouragement or discontentment can be an obstacle. And then here's one more for you. Okay, so during the service, I kept getting the word original. And I was asking, I guess the question that kept coming to my mind is, is there anything that really is original in a sense? Um, and how often we can feel like, especially when that word purpose gets thrown out there a lot, like, well, am I significant enough like to have a purpose? Or what is my purpose? Do I even matter in that? Um, and I was reminded of Will Smith's documentary we were watching this morning. And there was a sea creature that was in the depths that I would have never known existed. But when you go to those depths, it uses the oxygen to create light. And that's how it communicates with the world around it. And it was the most beautiful thing I have ever seen. And it was for that, like, I will never forget that picture in my head. And God, like, it spoke to me about God's creation, his sovereignty, like all of these things, even that sea creature had a purpose in that moment that will stick with me forever. Like there is nothing original about what God has created, including you and how he formed you and the desires he's given you. There's nothing original about it. So I would just encourage you um, really quick. This last week I was the Lord brought a bunch of memories to mind that came out of nowhere, and I just cried for hours. And I ended up, at the end of it, I repented because I'm like, man, I expected so little of you in those moments. And they were very ordinary moments, like nothing I would have thought would have mattered, but they mattered, and I expected so little of him. So I don't know how to leave off with that encouragement. But... Yeah. Um, and just to be real clear... There's nothing ordinary about, about, yes, yes. okay. <laughs> it's totally cool. Uh, Dre's a four, so originality is a big thing for all the Enneagram fans. If you're not an Enneagram fan, don't worry about it. Thank you, Dre. There really is nothing ordinary about you. So if, if fear might get in the way of, of you being formed as a disciple, if there's just a lack of formation in area of your, areas of your life that need to be come under discipline, the discontentment that you're feeling, or if you're just struggling with feeling very ordinary, Go get prayer. There's prayer ministers in the back. We'd love to pray for you. And then we'll be up here in the front if you'd like to talk. We'd love to talk to you. So, Father, thank you. As we close, I want to thank you that, um, that you are the one 
you're the king and that your desires for us are, are good. What do you desire? I pray that we'd be the kind of church that says yes to your desires. The kind of church that works through fear, that works through areas of formation that need attention, that works through discontentment, discouragement, and that believes the truth that we're not ordinary, but we're originals. In a sense, in your hands, there's nothing ordinary about us. God, thank you that you have a purpose for us. I pray that every single person in this room, man, woman, young person, child, everybody would experience this beautiful, life-changing reality of your kingdom and would say yes to you this week. Maybe it's just one thing. I pray that there would just be one thing that each of us become aware of, like, hey, I have, a, I have an opportunity to participate or to pass right now, and I want to participate. God, help me. What do you desire? What do you want to do? And that we'd be able to even share that with other people in this room, other people in our gospel community, other people in our life who are with us, who are for us, who are partnering with us in prayer. I'd love to see this, Father, this kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, in Temecula, through your people, with a partnership with your spirit. God, we love you. We thank you. We're grateful to you for this morning. So then we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so there's still opportunities to get prayer. If any of what we talked about resonated with you, please go get prayer. And um, we go grab, grab your kids. And then one last thing is that. Okay, never mind. We're going to have a very special after gathering uh, performance next week. We'll talk about that next week. Okay, go enjoy. Go grab your kids, go get prayer, and we'll talk to you guys next week.